Hey, we're in week three of our series called Decisions, Decisions, How to Make the Best Choices Ever. And what we've been talking about is this idea that God, uh, if you believe in God and you're here to follow God, and if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a really, 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 really good chance that he cares about the decisions you make. Um, Not only does he care about them, he might have something to say about them prior to, to you making them. Uh, and so, yes, he is a redeemer and he does uh, help you solve the issues you've gotten yourself into, but he would rather uh, help you prior to you getting yourself into that situation in the first place. And so that's what we've been talking about. We started out week one with a verse that's very famous that says, it's in Proverbs 9, chap, uh, chapter 9, verse 10. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that's, you, when you think of fear, you think of scared. But in fact, what, what um, the psalmist is talking about is this reverence that leads to submission. So the reverence of God that leads to us submitting our lives to Him is the beginning of wisdom. And what we've been talking about over the weeks and what we'll be talking about is how to make wise choices. But the beginning of that is this reverence and submission to God. And again, for some of us, you might be here, you might have been drugged here by somebody, and this might all be new to you. But I'm just here to tell you, for those who are followers of Jesus, this is a big deal. To, be, to, to submit to God is, a, is kind of a big deal. And so we started off with that. And the next week, um, we talked about a question that we can ask ourselves, uh, and, and uh, we got this question. Andy Stanley in his book, The Best Question Ever, um, I stole the question from him. Um, it, we asked ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? We, 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 we said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. And so what Paul was doing was he was talking to a church that was much like ours is. Um, they, they had a culture around them, that if you just go along with the flow, you're going to be conformed into an image, into a person that you are later going to regret. And we talked about this last week. Every culture has these pressures. Again, some good, some bad. It's not, culture is not bad. It's just, it is what it is. And if you just allow yourself to go with the flow, allow yourself to just move along, you will find yourself being shaped on how you use your finances, how you spend your time, how you relate to people, um, all these different kinds of things. And the way the Bible talks about that is not being conformed into that mold, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, kind of this idea that you think differently. You think differently than just the way culture is going. And so Paul's talking to this church um, that had this particular culture. It was an affluent town, uh, a affluent city called Ephesus, and there was a a temple there that that everything surrounded this temple. They worshiped this goddess, and they had in the church service, like for worship, temple prostitution. And so that was part of your worship service, which, uh, by the way, is frowned upon uh, here. Uh, Anyway, but, um, and so that's what they had going. And so Paul, Paul, you could imagine all the different things Paul could talk about. But he says this, be very careful then how you, how you walk, how you live. Now, um, the, the, that Greek word was exactly what Pastor Bob was talking about when he talked about our uh, patio being redone. Be careful. Uh, look around. Understand that if you just go blindly along, you are going to stumble and fall.
It's to look all the way around. It's actually to analyze with exactness. So, so um, if you're walking... Uh, on the wooden path that we have now instead of our cement path, uh, those little wooden boards stick up a little bit. And if you're just going right along, your foot's going to get under there and you're going to trip and fall, as I watched a couple people do this morning. Um, and, and so we would say, be careful how you walk. As a matter of fact, if you have a New American Standard Version, that's exactly what it says. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Watch, watch out. And so then Paul goes on to this, this idea, not as unwise, but as wise. He doesn't say holy. He doesn't say, be very careful how you walk. Uh, don't hang around certain people. Don't do this. Don't do that. He doesn't give a whole list of, a, he says, not as unwise as is wise. And, and here's the thing that Paul does that I appreciate so much is that he, he kind of believes you can figure it out. That with the help of God's Holy Spirit and by just sitting around with li- in life for long enough, you can kind of understand what's wise and what's not. You don't have to go to your Bible and go, gee, should I do that or not? The, the Spirit of God can guide you. And that's what Paul's counting on. And so what we did was we asked ourselves this question last week. And we'll be asking ourselves this question every week as we enter into the different types of things we're going to be talking about. Considering my history... My current reality and my future identity, what is the wise thing to do? That as we enter into these different decisions, different invitations that were asked, uh, different um, uh, things that we're going to partake in, or what's the wise thing to do? Now, not what's the right thing to do. You'd think, he'd, you'd think that would be the thing, but what's the wise thing? So considering my history, what happened last time I went to that? event or an event like that what, what happened last time I was rolling with those particular people what in my history what what happened last time I decided to just make all my financial decisions on my own what happened last time I was really excited about a relationship like, like what, what was what's my history and then what's my current reality there are some things that we used to be able to do in our history that now because of our current reality we can't do Last week, I mentioned the idea that, you know, I used to go with my friend uh, Don in college. We'd go backpacking for four days, and we wouldn't tell anybody where we were going. We just, we'd find, I mean, we were poor, so we'd just go into somebody, we'd find some canned goods. Don't ever go hiking with canned goods, but anyway, we were young. And so uh, we filled our backpack up with, you know, 90-pound things, and and, oh, I'd also bring a can opener. That was the other thing. Um, and so we'd leave for four days. No one knew where we were. No one even cared. No one even asked. And then we'd come back and, you know, off we went. Now, now my current reality now, if I leave for four days and I don't tell anyone where I'm going, I'm in big trouble. Ask her. She'll tell you. I'm in big trouble, right? I got kids now, a wife now. I got responsibilities, a job, all this kind of stuff. What's my current reality? Is it wise to go backpacking for four days without telling anyone? No. No, of course not. And then, and then, Uh, considering my future identity, who I want to become. Every single one of us has a future identity. It's it's the person we're trying to become. And and if you're a follower of Jesus, you've invited God into that decision-making. If you're not, you're trying to figure out. And and we never think of ourselves as worse off in the future than we are now. That's just not the way humans work. You don't think in two years... I just want to be 400 pounds. If I could just get it to 400. Like we don't, we don't do that. We don't say, you know, 
my goal for the next five years is to get into as much consumer debt as I possibly can. I'd like to destroy at least three relationships by next year. You know, we don't do that. We think in terms of we want to be better. We want to be better financially, better spiritually, better emotionally. Okay? And so in spite of that, considering that, I mean, considering my future identity, what's the wise thing to do now? Now, let me just talk about our particular culture right, you know, in America and where, where we are in Southern California. The, the culture that if you just let go and, and allow it to form you, what it's going to say, and just, just the reality of who we are, is that now is the most important time. Make your decision. What do you want now? Who are you now? What do you want? Get it, get it now. Zero percent financing. You know, get now, 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 now. Sign it now. Now is as new and improved. Now, now, now. But that is not the idea that God has for us. It's not now. It's it's. You are being transformed. There's this metamorphosis that is happening to all of us. As we become more like Christ, we are changing and we are becoming more like him. When I um, was in college, uh, well, the end of my high school and then into college, I, I worked for an air conditioning company. I drove a truck and dr- brought materials around and then they let me actually put in some duct work and then they put me back on the truck again and had me um, do that. But this was my time card. And for those of you who are young and, uh, you know, you guys all code in now, you know, your, your ID or you have a card or whatever. Um, this was back when we actually chisel our time card in a cave. Um, but but uh, this little card, you, what you do is you put it in there and it would stamp a time. And there would be a time for in and a time for out. And then you make the difference. And uh, again, it's very tedious. But, but the thing that's most important about this card is not that part, but the bottom where it says total. Because that was the, um, your boss or whatever would add up all the hours. And that total was how much you got paid, the number of hours you were going to get paid. And when I worked for this air conditioning company, I was that guy that if there were hours to be worked, I was working them. I mean, if we'd get a big contract and I could work Saturdays, I'd work Saturdays. Because here's what I knew. The bigger the number, the better my weekend. That's how, that's how it was for me. Now, I had a certain amount I had to save for college, but I had already figured out how many hours that was, and everything else, as far as I was concerned, was mine. Um, and then at the time, I was dating a smoking hot girl, and, um, and so uh, I knew that the more money I made, uh, the better chance I had of keeping her, and, uh, which actually turned out great, because I married her. Um, and then my second wife, no, I'm kidding, uh, we're still married. Uh, <laughs> But, but I knew that if I made a, a, a lot of money that week, if I worked a lot of hours, then we could go out to dinner. And I, I didn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. It was just the, the, the bigger the number, the, the, the better the weekend. And, and, and so, but, but what it really represented, all these hours represented my life. Because for me, the more money I could make, the better life I was going to have. And so some of us use the term uh, time is money, you know, and we, we think, and that's the way, part of the, part of the way we think of our culture of where you're going to be conformed to is that if you can make more money, your life is going to go better. And so if you can spend more time making money, then in the long run, it, it, your life is going to be better. And to some extent, that's true. But that's not really what the Bible teaches. And for those who work really, 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 really hard to make more and more and more and more money at the time, at the, when they get to the end of their life, if you talk to those people long enough, you'll find that they don't believe that either. Many people would trade in the money for the time. 
That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches this. Your time is your life. Your time is your life. Let me show you. And I'll put that up there just in case it was difficult to remember. I have it on a slide. But listen to what it says here in the Bible. Uh, it says, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. Now, this sounds depressing, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'll show you why it's not. You have made my days a mere hand breath. It's just like what you could measure out with your hand. The span of my years is as nothing before you. And then he makes this real short sentence. Each man or woman, each person's life is but a breath. And then it puts this little selah, pause. Think about that. That's what that means. Each person's life is but a breath. Now just sit with that for a while is what that selah means. And my life is but a breath. Now, like I said, you could read that and think to yourself, boy, that's kind of depressing. And that's not the only place in the Bible it is. Uh, some, Jesus even said, uh, you're like grass. You're here today and you wither and you're gone. You're like, ah. it says It says in the Bible, you're a vapor, <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, you're a vapor. Uh, back, back down. Yep, that's it. That's not, if, it's not, if it's not in your notes, stop talking. Okay, uh, so he, here's the thing. Your time is your life. I told you I'd have it written up here for you. Your time is your life. Now think of how tomorrow is going to look for you. Now, for some of us, we're all in different parts of our life. Some of us in this room are retired. And so you're like, tomorrow? I don't know. It's going to look like today. Are we have in church tomorrow? Because it's gonna, every day looks the same. I just know it's Sunday because I'm sitting in church, right? For some of you, you're retired. For some of you, you have young children. And you're like, what is this thing, time, you speak of? <laughs> all right? You know, there's just like this whole new season. For some of you, you're trying to work in a job. And you're like, you know, but... but how it all plays out. And, and what we're going to see is that that's okay. It's okay that we all have different, we're in different chapters of our lives. The reality is this, that even though our life's a vapor, and even though we're like grass, and even though that each person's life is but a breath, the Bible teaches that your life is really, really, really important. It, it teaches that all throughout the Bible. How you live this breath how you live this vapor, how you live this, you're just, you, you, you live and you die. How you do that is really important. As a matter of fact, the Bible even teaches, and for those who follow Jesus, we believe that how you, the decisions you make are eternal. That, that you can actually make a decision in your life now that somehow affects eternity. That somehow counts for something. That's what the Bible teaches. Your time is your life, and your life is really, 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 really important, which means your time is really, really, really important. So, what I want to do this morning is I want to look at five principles that are so obvious, you'll wonder, what does a guy even get paid for? It's like, it's like they're just obvious. And you could go to a motivational speaker and get these five things. You could, you could pick up a time, how to manage your time book and, 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 uh, and, and do it. But what I want us to see 
is just how truthful this is and then see how God might speak into your life in the area of how you use your time. Here's the first one. Small investments over time reap large rewards. Okay, so if, if, you, if you have the outline in front of you, we don't typically do this, but you can fill those in. I just felt like, hey, this week you're going to have stuff you can fill in. Some of the kids are on vacation and this is, where they, this is how they learn. Small investments over time reap large returns. Now, now you've seen this. Uh, if you're older... Um, and you're looking at your 401k or your IRA or whatever, there's one of two things that are going through your mind right now. You're either thinking that's correct. Uh, small investments over time do reap uh, large returns, or you're going, I knew I should have been investing from the time I was 18. This is just a financial principle that you don't need to, when you're 18, put $15 million in the bank. You don't need to win the lottery. You don't need to do anything. Just small Regular investments over time reap large rewards. And not only that, at the end of your life, after all those little investments, you're reaping large returns on what you did way back here. It grows. Okay? So that's financially. But it also works relationally. That as you're, the relationships that are most important, it's just little deposits over time. If you're a parent, you understand this. Yes, our kids love vacation and all this kind of stuff, but you'll see in the relationships that you're closest with and with your kids, it was just that daily time. Maybe it was dinners uh, as a family or putting the kids to bed or whatever. It's those small investments over time. If you're married, you know this in, in your, in your uh, marriage. Uh, some, for some of us, we're in a situation where one spouse is working a lot and the other spouse is like, I just want to be with you. And it's like, don't worry, um, in January, of next year, I'm setting out seven full days for you, you know, right? So don't, it's coming, trust me, right? It, it doesn't work that way. Small investments over time reap large rewards. If you work out, okay, you understand this. Just getting to the gym, that's it. Just walking through the doors of the gym and just working out 20 minutes, if you do that three times a week, you, it's, you're going to begin to see your life change. Again, this isn't, this isn't rocket surgery. We kind of all know this, okay? Secondly, neglect has an effect as well. If you neglect those relationships over time, guess what's going to happen to your relationships? If you neglect your finances over time, guess what's going to happen to your finances? If you neglect yourself over time, guess what's going to happen to yourself? Right? The, these, the neglect has an effect as well. Now, here's the big problem, okay? You're like, where's the Bible? It's coming, trust me. There is rarely any immediate impact for investing or neglect. In other words, if you go to the gym and you work out, your arms, you don't come out and your arms are gigantic and you're like, that was so worth my time. Normally, what happens when you start working out? You work out for like seven, eight times and you're like, I, you step on the scale and you're like, nothing. This isn't working at all. That whole eat right and exercise thing, rubbish, right? I've been working out for, I've worked out four times and nothing, right? It, it, it's, it's that there's no immediate benefit. On the flip side, there's no immediate consequences. 
If you work out for a while and then all of a sudden you miss Wednesday because whatever, you don't all of a sudden just balloon out and you're like, what? You know, all that working out, you know, I, now I'm just gigantic or whatever. And, and, and same, same with your investments. You know, if you invest a little bit at a time and then you miss, it's not like you're now in a homeless shelter. Okay, you're just kind of doing that. And if you, and the same goes uh, for the, for the positive. If you're, if you continue to go it, you just watch your, your bank account grow very small. And it's like, what's, what's even the use? There's no immediate impact. Now listen, this is the problem. Because if small amounts over time reap large rewards, but during that time, it's really hard to see either the negative or the positive. It's hard to stay disciplined. It goes on. There's no cumulative value to the urgent things we allow to interfere with those things that are most important. So here's the thing. Maybe you're thinking about your kids and you're like, you know what? I do need to spend more time with my kids. Okay? Maybe you think about a certain time, dinner time or putting them to bed or whatever. During those times... When you could have been doing that, you were doing something else. What was it? What do you have to show for all the time you didn't spend with your kids? <whistles> Nothing. Like, we don't work out. I mean, just pick any topic you want. You don't work out because you're too busy or whatever. What do you, what do you got to show for it? What, there's no cumulative value to those things that edge out the things that are most important. And that's the problem is that when we neglect what's most important, the stuff we have to show for edging that out is, is nothing. Now, let me, let me tell you where this plays out a lot that I see just in my ministry. People who neglect time with God, pe- people who neglect time in His Word for whatever, because it ed- gets edged out by stuff that's important, you know, work or whatever. I mean, those things, you're not going to say, I'm going to quit my job and become a monk. I, I get all that. But as those little things, waking up just a little bit later, you know, ah, I'm tired, it was a rough night last night, whatever. As, you, as those things keep edging out, you look at your spiritual life and you go, I have nothing to show for the time I've edged out of my time with God. Now, when you couple that with, you know, oftentimes when we have our time with God, there's no, no huge thing that, that we get out of a daily time with God. We don't typically see, you know, every morning I wake up at five, the heavens part, thousands of angels come down and carry me along, you know, uh, to Krispy Kreme, and then they feed me donuts and I get back and I'm like, oh, it was fantastic. Most of my time with God in the morning is me opening up my Bible, reading it, praying, saying, God, help me be a part of your kingdom this morning. I don't hear any big like, I will, my beloved son, you know. I just, but, but here's the weird thing. I find after some time passes, I've changed. That I, my life has changed. I view things differently. I can hear from God better. It's really weird. I, I notice this too, and again, I'm not, he, he, I mean, you're here, so that's great. So you can, you know, call someone and say, ooh, you got in trouble for not being at church. But I, I notice this too as it comes to just church attendance. Uh, 
it's weird. The people that I want to emulate, that like really have it down, they, are, they attend church regularly or they're part of a community and not necessarily church, but they're part of a community that meets regularly. Now, if I miss church, not me because I'm the pastor, but it, it, if I weren't the pastor and I miss church next week, who could, I don't all of a sudden like find myself at the gates of hell being drug in, you know, when my, there's just desolation in my spiritual life. I don't really miss anything. And when I go to church, quite frankly, when I go out, I don't feel like, wow, I can take on the world. But there's something about this weekly discipline of meeting with other believers that over time transforms us. This is why Bob, every week he says the same thing. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But he says, it's better because you're here. And it is. Okay? Um, Sabbath rest the Bible says that Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. The idea of just being able to relax, knowing God's going to take care of these things. These are things that if you miss them, nothing bad's going to happen to you. And if you do it, your life isn't going to be radically changed. But if there's something about the consistency of those small things over time that reap huge rewards. Now, here's the last thing I want to say before we uh, see what the Bible has to say. In the critical areas, you cannot make up lost time. If you miss out on your kids' elementary school years because you were working your way up the ladder, you're not getting those years back. Now, you can, you know, now that you've made it uh, and, and, you know, you have all the money in retirement and stuff, now you're like, I'm going to spend time with my kids. God bless you. Um, but, You've missed that. In, in, in finances, if you've, you, know, you don't just at the end of your life, try to just, you're just doing scratchers every day. Like, I'm going to make up, the, I'm going to win the lottery and make, make up for it. You, you can't. You can't miss working out for months and then go to the gym at 24-hour fitness and go, well, it's called 24-hour fitness. I'm working out for 24 hours. I'm going to make up for all the time I miss. And let, let me see, you laugh. But I've done that, and I bet you have too, where you go back and you try to teach yourself a lesson to like, I'm never going to miss again, you know, and you're just on whatever the, that thing is and that other thing and then that one thing that looks weird. And like you get on those things and you just like punish yourself. And then for two weeks, you, you can't move, right? You can't make up for lost time. You don't get that back. We understand this. Again, this isn't, you know, I, I could have picked up a book on that, but here, here's the thing. If we know this stuff, that these little investments are important, if we know that we're going to be tempted every day to get those really important things edged out by the urgent, by the things that just texts that go off, if, if we know that culture, our culture, it wants, um, again, not in a concerted effort, but it's just the way culture is, wants to conform us to something, we're going to find ourselves farther down in our future, becoming someone we don't want to be. We're going to end up wasting this breath that God has given us for his kingdom. And, and let me just tell you this. You have a heavenly father that cares about your life. And he cares about how you spend your time. And because of this, he wrote through Paul to the church of Ephesus, something that I want to look at this morning. 
And it goes back to the verse that we started with. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, if Paul were going to use um, a, 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 any example for this of what it means to be wise and what it means to in, considering your history, your current reality, and your future identity, what's the wise thing to do? What area of your life would he use? He could have used your holy, be really wise um, relationally. Be really wise financially. Be really wise uh, sexually. Don't go, don't do all this sin and all this kind of, he could have picked all those things. But Paul drills it down to probably the best example that everyone can relate to. He says this, He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Now, um, if you read the New American Standard Version, um, it says, making the most of your time. Um, If you look, I I wrote it here, uh, this idea of making the most, this Greek word, it gets all fancy, but... Um, it's to rescue from loss, to redeem. Redeem the time. You've got some time, okay? And, and you're going to make the most, you're going to get full value out of it. In other words, what, if the Bible teaches that it's ju- you just have a short amount of time, it's just a hand breath, it's a vapor, you're like grass. And you think, well, that, that's really depressing. No, 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 just the opposite. Take that breath, that that, that a little amount of time you have and use it for the kingdom of God. Use it the way, redeem it, get full value. I, you know, um, so you ever do those things at Costco or, or AT&T or whatever where you fill out a rebate form and then they send you, they don't send you a check because they know you'll cash the check and actually get the money. So they send you a Visa card or whatever that they know you'll get down to like, $2.18, and you're like, forget it. And they just made $2.18 off you. But, but um, they, those have a date at the end. And this is what happens to me every single time. I get one of those in the mail, and I'm like, I got to use it right away. Because if I don't use it, if I just put it in my wallet, time's going to go by, and then I'm, I'm going to get past the time, and I'm going to miss out on that. And I've done this. Finally, I don't know if it was the Lord or not, but I finally used my first one. <laughs> It was so satisfying. I, I went and I, and I gave them the thing. And usually you have to, you have to work the system a little bit because they're not really that easy to use. And so I used it and I got full redemption of my rebate. And it was fantastic. Because I've had many where I look at the date and I'm like, 1998, you know, you know, and I'll, I'll, off it goes. And who knows how much was on it and all this kind of stuff. This is the idea that, 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 that God wants us to get. Redeem it. You got it. You got the time. Now, none of us know how much time we have left. I mean, not to be depressing, but we could get into a car accident tomorrow. You could get, no, I'm kidding. I don't want to go through all the examples of why you could die quickly, but, uh, or slowly, but uh, we've only got a certain amount of time. Right? And here's what God's saying. He's like, you've been given this gift. You got the card. You have a certain number of days. Redeem it. Turn it in. Use it. Don't waste it. Don't just let it go to where I look at the end of my 20s and I go, oh man, I had it. Now my 20s are gone. 
And then I just step into my 30s. I look back and I'm like, oh, I did it again. God says, look, every day you wake up. This is why the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Every morning is an opportunity to redeem the time he's given you. To rescue from loss. So on my Facebook, and that's the irony of this uh, sermon, I'm talking about time wasting, and I'm like, and on Facebook I posted, um, but I, I asked this question, how do, you, how do you waste your time? And, uh, you know, uh, and so I, I said I was going to have a little graph, but it got too complicated, and I didn't want to do that anyway. But basically, it, and the graph would look like this. It'd be a circle, and on one side would be TV, and the other side would be the computer. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like very interesting of a graph, except for somebody wrote Parcheesi, and I don't even know where that fits. But in any event, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll just play it, okay. Uh, so, uh, they really did do Parcheesi, but I was just playing with the person because they're here. Okay, and in any event, but those are the, those are the, those are the two things. And so, and, and here's the overwhelming thing. Isn't it easy to identify in your life? Like if I were to ask you, so how do you waste your time? You, you'd, know, you'd know right now. Here's the thing. All those five little things I had, all that, it, you didn't need those. You know. This is why Paul says, look, don't do what's unwise, do what's wise. Well, gee, Paul, what's wise? You know. You know when it comes to time how you're, how you're spending it. Now, here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit and the Bible and all this kind of stuff. We're all in different spots, like I mentioned before. Some of us are retired, and so time can mean all sorts of different stuff. Others are, are really, really busy. Others are, are in just different spots. And so what does it mean to redeem the time in the current life stage you're at? This is the beauty of this. God wants to be invited into that conversation. See, God wants to be able, you say, you say, John, I'm retired. I have all this time. How should, I, how should I use it? I don't know. I'm not retired. I haven't any idea. I mean, the first thing I'd do is get a new set of clubs. That's my, my, like my retirement idea. Invite God into that conversation. God, here I am. I, I might not be as fast as I used to be, but I got time. Well, how, how do I redeem this time? Maybe you're a young mom and you go, you wake up in the morning, you make lunches for the kids, you, you, then you run off to work, you get to work, on your way home you stop off at Costco. This is what we were talking about in our small group on Friday night. You stop off at Costco, you get home, you make dinner, uh, you pick up the house, you go to bed and the whole thing starts over. And you say, man, how do I redeem that time? I have no idea. But your heavenly father knows. He knows how to turn lunch making into an eternal job. He knows how to take your time at Costco and, and, and be there right there with you, walking through your day. He even knows, and this is just crazy, and this is a miracle in itself. For some of you who go to meetings all day, he knows how to redeem that time. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. You could be sitting in a meeting with coworkers going, this is the dumbest. <laughs> yeah, have you ever done that? Your, bo your boss is talking and you're like, are you kidding me? First of all, no one's listening. You try to do your phone while you're down here trying to text and all this kind of stuff. God knows how to redeem that time. God might have you encouraging someone in that meeting. God might have you say, look, don't think of it as a meeting. Think of it as you being able to bless these people. Again, I, I have no idea. Here's what I know. The Bible says, be very careful how you enter that meeting. 
Be, be really careful how you walk into Costco. Be really careful how you handle your retirement. Be very, very careful how you spend time at home. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of those opportunities. One of the things I wanted us to see in this idea is that, uh, and we talked about this last week a little bit, every opportunity has a most. That's what this says. Making the most of every opportunity. That means even the things that seem mundane, the things you have to do, the things that get on your nerves. You know, if, for those of you in school and you spend a lot of time in the classroom, in the classroom there's a most there, an eternal value, that your life is important and your life is your time and so your time is important. So you, you could think about how exciting this is. Your commute could have eternal value in it. You think, all I've been trying to do is get my commute down below, you know, 45 minutes. That's all. My job when I drive is to make that thing as short as possible. And you're dipping in and weaving in and, and, and waving to people um, and doing all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, my job on my commute is to make it as short as I can. And the Lord's like, you know, I'd really like to be invited into this conversation. I don't, I don't think that's the best use of your commute. I think we could redeem that time. And maybe when you get to work, you won't be so angry. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? We're all going to come at this from different places. Let me show you what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 90 as we, as we uh, begin to close up here. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know what this is saying? This is saying that T teach me, and, and, and if you read the whole, the whole chapter uh, of this in Psalms, uh, it's called the Prayer of Moses, and um, it's really frightening. They, it talks about, you know, look, you basically got 70, maybe 80 years. That's the whole gist of it. And, and then it talks about, and the Lord's pretty angry. <laughs> so you're, you have to read it and go, wow, this is scary. Um, but in the middle right there is this idea, just teach me to understand that my life is important, and I don't have much time, is what this whole chapter is saying, that I may gain a heart of wisdom. As we talk about our decisions, that God wants to, you to make wise decisions with your time. That your time is your life, and your life is really important, so your time is really, really important. And he's going to speak to you differently than he speaks to me about my time. There are things that he might ask you to give up and you go, yeah, but all these other people, they, you know, they're on level 75, and uh, I have already sent them three of my lives, and that's not fair that I have to just quit right now. And you guys are like playing candy crack and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and it's, like, it's like for you, you got to get rid of that. For someone else, maybe not. For some of you, it, it, it's going to play out. This is the thing. God cares, and he wants to be invited into the conversation. And so that's why Moses says, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I, I can really own this. You know, you know what's incredible to me? So when Jesus died on the cross, with all the stuff that was going on, the rejection of the disciples, uh, he'd been spat on, beaten, you know, all, all that stuff. Crown of thorns, he's, he's, he's there, he's heaving, trying to just get his breath for just a little while longer. He starts speaking. And every time words came out of his mouth, it came from a Bible verse he had me memorized by the time he was 10 years old. 
All those words on the cross were things that a, a normal Jewish little boy would have memorized. And that's what's coming out of Jesus. You think, you know, what, what, what? just those little time he spent, when it came down to the most important time in human history, Jesus is quoting scripture. Now, in light of that, as Adjua comes back up with the worship team, in light of that, in light of the fact that you've been given this time, I've been given a certain amount of time, and in light of the fact that your heavenly father wants to have a say in how you use your time, what are you going to do? 